Welcome to Learning Through Math, the podcast. I'm Laura at I Teach the Why. I'm Karina at Mrs. Cousins 5. Our mission is to inspire ourselves and others to keep learning and improving with passion. And hugs. You can find us at learningthroughmath.com and on Twitter at Laura and Karina. Come and join us on this journey of learning. Thanks for joining us. We are recording this in December of 2021. And welcome to episode 63, Learning About Thinking Classrooms. You know, I I always say I love what's coming up, but you know, this is super close to our hearts, right? Thinking yes. Classrooms. First, we want to give a shout out to Amanda Jansen, who's the author of Rough Draft Math. Amanda had tweeted back to us on episode 61 when we did it with Berkeley, and it was about are concrete, representational, or pictorial, and abstract thinkers graphic. And she yes. put, my thought is also, instead of the labels like, quote, concrete thinkers, it's more like, quote, concrete thinking. We can all engage in thinking with concrete representations, pictorial representations, and abstract rep- representations. I love that you're highlighting CPA ideas. Aw, thanks, Wendy. Yes. And thank you for saying that because I think that that's what we were trying to go for, but it, mm-hmm. it the way I think making it as thinking as opposed to thinker, thinker is more You're final, labeling right? The, right, the person. Yeah, right? yeah. Thinking, thinking is a continuing, it's a process. Yeah. So you're still doing it. You're still in, in, yeah, in action. So I love, I love that. So we'll have to tweak that and then we'll send it out again. That's and see right. if we need to revise it again. That's right, because we're always learning, right? That's it. <laughs> All right. What's your reflection for this week? Well, I've been trying a few different things after attending the Making Math Moments Summit that we mentioned a few episodes ago. And one of the things was slow reveal problems or slow reveal tasks or, or graphs. And I've done four so far. And I absolutely love them. So the first one wasn't so great, just like everything I feel. Everything I try the first time because I just jump and let me just try You're this. a jumper. And the first one always kind of, eh, it's okay, but it wasn't great. But then they have been continuously getting better and better and the kids are so engaged. They're so into them. They're like, what, what's going to happen? What's next? What's, what, what is this? Like they're just, they're eating out of the palm of my hand. Wow. So it's a really nice place to be, you know, they're very, it's very active. It's very conversational. It sparks it all, even my, my kids who don't usually participate and speak, they're raising their hand. They want to participate. They want to say things. So it's lovely. <laughs> it really is. Tell the listeners what you mean by slow reveal, okay. just so that everybody has we're on right. the same page. Basically, it's it's exactly what what you would think. It's you're giving only part of the information at a time. For instance, so is this like any word problem? Yeah, you can turn it into use any word problem from the textbook and cut it down to just one sentence at a time, but even take out the first time you like the, with the first sentence, you take out the numbers. So you're just saying like, if it's, you know, Laura wants some apples 
And I'm not going to tell you how many apples she wants, right? So that that way they talk about, well, how much, how many apples could she be wanting? Why could she be wanting apples? So what are you picturing in your mind? What is, what is happening? So it's all that, like the reading strategies that we would, we would use when we're talking about a text and analyzing a text and close reading. And it's basically bringing that into, into word problems. And so you're doing it like line by line? Yes, line by line. You're just giving a little more information. And are you asking kids questions? Yes. As this is happening? Yes. I'll share a link so that everyone can take a look. <laughs> I'll share a few <laughs> that I've done. This is where, where you're going with this okay. anyway. <laughs> Probably. You know, well, just so that, you know, people. So I'm thinking more like numberless word it's, problems. It starts off like that. Yeah. It does. Okay. That's awesome. The way that Steve Linewand did it was he started with like a picture, a notice and wonder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just conversation sparker, and then ended mm-hmm. with like a fun little video. So that that way, again, it, it just encourages that that engagement. The one that I did this week was about strawberries. And the video that I found was perfect. It even discussed pollination and, and you know, the strawberry plant. Oh. I'm like, look at that. Mixing math and science. science. <laughs> Two birds, <laughs> one stone. Beautiful. Yeah, it was great. It really was. Sweet. Uh, well, I do have some good news for this week. I submitted a project, my first project to Donors Choose, and it got fully funded. Yay! And... I already got the stuff and this was oh my gosh less than a month's worth of time awesome like from start to finish yeah I got a whole bunch of teacher demo rec and recs oh awesome well I'm gonna be able to give one to each of my teachers after we go through how to actually use it right yes. because a lot of people haven't ever used a rec and rec and that way the kids can start seeing connections yes. with up to 20. And you know, all of our kids, K to five. Yeah. Yes. Right? I was going to say, um, I don't know if I shared this with, with everyone, but when we did our episode 55, learning about math running records with Annalise record, mm-hmm. she discussed in there using a 10 by 10, well, 10 by 10, obviously, but a 10 wreck and wreck. And yes. I was like, oh gosh, I'm going to have to get one. So I did get one and I have it in my classroom. I haven't, I, it's there. I haven't been able to, I, I kind of showed it to a few of the kids, but I haven't had them like really, you know, use it explore. yet, explore yeah. it yet. But, but yeah, it's to show arrays and, and right. decomposing numbers. Right. And how yes. like you can use five times seven and you can use five times five to help you with five times seven because you can see yes. the needs. Yeah. So good. So, so good. So good. Listeners, we have another special treat for you. We have our seventh guest. He is now a good friend of ours, even though we've never met in person, we've only met virtually. It's our friend, Ryan Foley out of the state of Washington, way far away from us. Like we're on opposite I mean, ends. I was just going to say, other than Alaska, I don't think we can get any farther away, right? That's right. And we met yep, Ryan I mean. through our Building Thinking Classrooms book club that we hosted over the summer. So Ryan, welcome. welcome. We're so happy you're here. Well, thank you. I thought about you ladies today. I was like, man, they're in Florida we're getting all the dreary weather over here in Spokane, Washington. I, I could use some sunshine. I really oh, could. Was... We'll come and get the 81 degree weather today. It was pretty warm. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was. And Dang. sunny. It was. Although this week has been really nice. It's been 
cooler for for Florida. We've had a nice little cool breeze in the seventies. Comfortable, <laughs> yes, in the seventies. <laughs> oh my goodness! So Ryan, tell our listeners all about you. Okay, well, uh, I'm teaching seventh grade right now. I'm a seventh grade math teacher. I've been teaching for 13 years. The last. Woo! Oh boy. Yeah. Right. The last five years, I've been a sixth grade teacher over here in Spokane and I'm mainly math and science. Uh, I was able to departmentalize with a, another awesome teacher of mine. And, um, but I was in an elementary setting, right? And now I'm in a middle school setting. If you go back to the very beginning of my teaching career, I started in the middle school. So I was wow. a science and math teacher. So it feels like I've come full circle back to the middle school. That's funny. That's bit, how but... I started my career too. Science and math in middle school. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right on. So yeah, uh, I have been adopted into the seventh grade math department at our SAC middle school. And I'm a part of an awesome team of three ladies and me. So I'm starting, I mean, I guess it's the middle of the year now. I mean, the last time we chatted, what was middle summer, late summer. And so it feels like, oh my gosh, halfway through the school year already. Wow. I think, was it day 73 for us today, Karina? I think it was 73. Is that where we are? Man. Yeah. So you wanted to come on today so we could have a, a continuing conversation with Thinking Classrooms, right? Yeah. Okay. What did you want to talk about? Oh my gosh, let me tell you some let me tell you a story. So, we we all love thinking classrooms and and for me, if if you know if, you're, if your listeners are not familiar with thinking classrooms, it's a it's a framework um authored by Dr. Peter Lilladal and uh he is what, a professor out of Simon Fraser mm-hmm. over in Canada. Well, you know, through I think just like you probably I heard it through the Making Math Moments crew about Peter Lilladal. And it really piqued my interest, mm-hmm. right? Like when you started listening to some of that stuff, you're like, man, that just sounds good. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay. So he put out the book, what, two falls ago, you get the book and it shows up and you're like, all right. And it's a really easy mm-hmm. read, but it's one of those things like when you read it, you're like, I know that's better. That, that it like, you cannot not tell yourself that's not a better way to teach. Right. Like it's, and, and, and he does such a good job with backing it up with the research and not just trying to sell his product, but just you know, being very transparent with all 14 practices. And so, you know, go back a year. I got two other people before we met. I said, hey, let's do a thinking classroom, a book study. And our our school, you know, we got clock hours for it and we got to meet every two weeks. And it was so awesome because I had been practicing a little bit of it. Uh, I had already gotten to the vertical non-permanent surfaces Mm -hmm. and invisible random groupings, but all 14 practices I haven't touched. And then I met you girls uh, this summer and it just reified in me like, man, this is good stuff. Yeah. So, okay. Fast forward to the fall. I'm setting up my classroom in my classroom. Oh my gosh. They don't have room for me at the school. <laughs> so what happened? The reason why I was hired, they shrunk class sizes you know, across the state in Washington. So they're like, okay, we need another math teacher to fill because we have the population. Mm-hmm. They put me in this tiny, it used to be a little computer lab. Ugh. It's like half of a classroom. It might be like at most six tenths of a classroom. Wow. And so it's tiny, tiny, tiny. And so like I can't, I, I barely have room to move in there and I still got 24 kids. Ugh. And here here comes me and my vertical non-permanent surfaces. <laughs> I got the white books and I'm, I'm tacking them up on the wall and, and my teaching partners, the ladies I teach with, they're, they're sticking in their head in there. They're going, what are you doing? What are those? You know? And, uh, you know, 
well, welcome to Thinking Classes, right? right? So, <laughs> and within two weeks, all all three teachers had white books up on their walls, <laughs> and, awesome. and, and we're, we're just cooking with it. So it's all been a lot of fun. That's yes. fast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now I have lots of questions for you. First of all, how did that happen within two weeks? Oh. <laughs> You know, I think it was an easy sell. One of the things I did was I had videos on my phone of just like, hey, this is what my class looks like because, you know, when you, when you see your kids working up at the vertical non-permanent surfaces for the first time and you see the the conversations they're having, you see uh, the problem-solving skills that are just coming out, it's mind-blowing when you first see it. And it's one of the easiest things you can do as a teacher to make a significant difference in your class. And so like... Honestly, I just busted out my phone. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to I gotta film this. This is going to be like a one-time deal. Like I, I maybe it won't happen again. Right. And I don't share the videos. Obviously, it's like, you know, kids stuff, whatever. Right. We're not going to put that stuff out on the on the internet. But, you know, I showed them these videos and I was like, you know, this this happened routinely. I was like, man, you know, you just get used to seeing the kids up at the boards and just these rich conversations that happen. And when they saw that, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. And they saw that. They're like, man, I want to do that. And then I would talk to them. I was like, yeah, the kids are talking math. And here's how I structure it. They're like, okay, let's try it out. So they were really willing to just jump in right away with the vertical non-permanent surfaces. I told them how to do visible random groupings. So that was really slick. And off we were going uh, first week of school. Wow. That's fantastic. And thank you for sharing that because that is something that I haven't done with my team yet. There's a few of us that that are doing them because on my fifth grade team, two teachers that were a part of the book club this summer also. So they kind of caught the bug, but I don't think we've really done a good job of of demonstrating it to the remainder of our team. So I think taking a video Mm -hmm. is the way to go. Mm-hmm. and yeah. showing it in action. Absolutely. So we started this year, just like Peter talks about, doing um, non-curricular tasks. So I, I compiled a list of non-curricular tasks and I had the guys that I went with my book study with were like, okay, well, we're going to do these ones. And I would share with with my team. And sometimes they'd be like, yeah, we want to do that. And sometimes not and whatever. But that set the tone really early in the year that, hey, this is where we do math. We do a bump at the boards and it was quick. And once the kids felt that within, I don't know, I want to say maybe like the first week or so, it was just it was just normal routine to be to be up at the boards, and so that was that we set that precedent pretty early. But then the shift comes in, and I think this is where maybe some people will get like like how do I use these? How how do I continue this? Is like okay, curriculum starts now. We're in unit one. What do we do with those? So I'm going to punt it back to you girls. Have you had that moment where like, okay, these are awesome, but now what do I do? The way that this year has started for us, it was really difficult because at the beginning of the school year, I was very restricted in in mixing kids and basically we weren't able to do it because of COVID. So I started doing the non-curricular tasks and then kind of had to stop. Mm -hmm. And just recently, we kind of were given the okay to put kids in groups and mix them up. And what I've been doing is I've just been, I have just really been focused on trying to see how tasks go, right? And some, and I'm just really taking a question. I'm taking a question from the textbook and that's it. And then we're, and I give it to them orally. I don't, it's been so hard not to show it to them. 
Like it goes against everything that I want to do as a teacher because I, I just want, I want them to see it. You know, I want them to have it to refer back to if they forget the numbers or if they forget what the question's asking. But I keep telling myself like this is better for them because then they have to depend on each other. They have to listen the first yes. time. And I even had to have that as a conversation with my students. I had to, they said, why can't you just, they even said, why can't you just put it up on the board so we can see it? I said, because I, I need you to listen, <laughs> right? right? I need you to hear me <laughs> when I say it the first time, as opposed to just, you know, oh, it's going to be up there. Right. So that's, that's been one. And, and what I found is that some questions have been better than others and have sparked more conversation. I'm starting to kind of be able to predict which ones I want to do as a task. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing it every day yet because like I said, I'm, I'm also trying other things. I'm trying like the slow reveal stuff and I'm start, you know, I'm trying, I'm still, I still want to do three act tasks and uh, there's other great frameworks and, and things out there that I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm having a hard time committing completely to BTC, you know? Ryan, I have two questions for you. Did the other people on your team buy the books yet? They have. Okay. And have they, have. they and read they them? Even the, no, they haven't. They have stated that they want to do a, a book study on it. I'm like, let's go. Wow. Let's go. We haven't started yet, though. We haven't started. Okay. <laughs> That's great. And then when Karina started talking about different frameworks, the three of us had talked before we recorded about five practices, and you had mentioned that the two frameworks support each other. Can you tell us more about that? Oh, absolutely. So uh, I think that was brought to my attention, and I knew this inherently, but I talked to one of my uh, colleagues after school. I was like, hey, I'm going to jump on this podcast with these ladies. I was like, well, what do you like about thinking classrooms is what I went over to her, and she's like, you know, I, I love the vertical non-permanent surfaces. I get to see my kids work. Yeah. And then she quickly just mentioned, she goes, the five practices come so much easier when, when we're working up at the boards. And so if you don't know what the five practices are, it's uh, five practices for orchestrating mathematical discussion, a book from Mary Kay Stein and Meg Smith. The first is to anticipate. Uh, the second would to be monitor. The third is to select. Fourth would be sequence. And the fifth is connect. Now, those words might not mean anything to you, but when you put them in like a framework of your math block, how you are teaching math. You want to anticipate the misconceptions. You want to monitor when your kids are working. And in the world of the building thinking classrooms, when we're up at the boards working, the monitoring comes so easily mm. because that's what you're doing. You're, you're going around, checking in with each group, being intentionally not helpful. I mean, we could talk about different parts of the thinking classroom, right? But you know, really putting the kids in a productive struggle. Mm -hmm. So you're monitoring all at the same time, you know, your goal, you know, your learning target in your brain, and then you're working on, okay, maybe I want to come back to this board. So, so that's that select piece, right? So, oh, there's a really good example right there. So kind of like how I do that is I carry a red expo and I'm like, okay, I, I circle things on, on, on the boards. Like don't erase that. I, I need that because when we're going to sequence this here in a moment. I'm, I'm going to use yours as an example to then connect, consolidate at the very end. And oh my gosh, I had such the cool, the cool thing today. Have you got a time for a little bit of a story? Of course. Of course. Okay, cool. So we were um, 
we did this task today and kind of like what Karina says, like, I think people who uh, start these things, they shouldn't think like your whole math lesson is at the boards. Honestly, for me, it's like 10 to 15 yeah. minutes max, you know, and my kids have become more resilient. They have more grit up at the boards than when we first started, but it is like 10 to 15 minutes. And then we're moving back and we're, we're doing our a purposeful practice or whatever we do to consolidate the lesson afterwards. But it got to the very end. So we were doing it. Um, we're working on percentages right now. And uh, I set them up with this task. I really wanted to see if somebody could find like uh, the way to find percents be using like the unit rate. So we have been working on double number lines, uh, tape diagrams, ratio tables. And we had to talk about the unit rate, which is a very efficient strategy, especially if you're doing like ugly percents, like finding 73% of something like so this is really efficient strategy and it came forward. So uh, I was like, all right, this, 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 uh, this group at this board had this, had it all mapped out and they found all the sale prices for the items they were buying. And I was like, all right, everybody come over here. So we got down to the sequence part. I really only picked this one board, but it was such a cool moment because when they all came over here, I go, okay, people working at this board, you can't talk. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you can't talk. <laughs> Who can explain how they came up with, with their answers. And you know what happened? was the first kid goes, well, I think they took, they were doing like 80% of of something. And so these girls took 0.8 and then they multiplied all the, the prices to get the sale price. And it was awesome. But this, this one kid goes, you know, I think they took 20% of everything and then subtracted it from the whole. I was like, man, that is a really good strategy. But you know what? That's not what they did. Wow. And so another kid answered, he goes, you know, I think they probably found 10% and then multiplied everything by eight to get up to 80%. I was like, you know, that's another really good strategy, but that's not what they did. <laughs> and so like all these strategies which kept popping up, wow. like as we were just standing around this board and it was so cool to see. So yeah, like the, the thinking classrooms and the marriage of the five practices, it works really well. It does. It does. And before this episode, we were actually talking about other books that really come in and support uh, the building thinking classroom. And one of them is Mathematical Mindsets by Joe Bowler. I feel like mm -hmm. it just, the two of them, it, like everything that she brings up in Mathematical Mindset, all the problems, all the issues with, with traditional math classes, they're all answered or they're all solved in building thinking classrooms. It really is. Mm -hmm. And Ryan, I wanted to add something that you, I, I, I do also love doing that when the kids have worked on something on the boards and then you say, okay, if you were part of this group, you can't talk. Let me go to somebody else. Let's analyze your work. Let's see what you did. Let's try to make sense of the math that we see up there. I've done also now where when they're working at their desks independently, we all have a, a problem that you know we're talking about and they're working on their own whiteboards. I've taken somebody's whiteboard and held it up to the class and said, you can't talk let's understand what he's done, <laughs> right? Or she's done and see, can we make sense of the student's work? And then they'll go around and they're like, you know, they're, oh yeah, oh, they did this and oh, they did that. And, and then we go back, is that what you did? And he's like, yeah. Or she, you know, she says, yep, that's what I did. So that has been really powerful, I think, because then they know that they're not just doing it I feel like labels are so hard for kids to label their work and show their thinking. And I feel like now we're finally getting somewhere. They're labeling more. They're showing more. They're, they're without prompting. They're showing a model like that happened today. And I was like, Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. My goodness. <laughs> we will get there. 
You know, one thing I would uh, I would throw in there as well. This was interesting, and I hadn't thought about this until today. So I had this lesson prepped, and I had it prepped two different ways. I had um, the thinking task ready to go in Desmos. I was like, all right. And um, because I was wondering, I was like, maybe kids, we've been up at the boards a lot. I mean, we do it pretty regularly. Maybe they want to go uh, on to Desmos. Maybe, maybe because we use Desmos periodically, you know, not as much as we did during distance learning, but, you right. know, we still sprinkle it in there every now and then. And I was like, all right. Let's take a vote, just like majority rules. And not one kid wanted to go on Desmos in any five periods I taught. They're, everybody's wow. like, let's go to the boards. Let's go <gasps> to the boards. And I was just like, you know, this, you can't fake that. It wasn't oh, like yeah. a 50-50 split, a 60-40 split. It was everyone. And you just watch. It's so cool. When you when you start implementing the practices and you see the kids just, you, you got to take a moment because you're, out, you're in it. Pause yourself. Yeah. Just look around. Yes. And you'll, you'll get the goosebumps on your arms. You're like, okay, wow. whatever, whatever we just did, this is good right now. This is what, and that's what I saw when I would listen, when I first saw this book, I, I was listening to Dr. Peter Lildahl talk about it. It's like, yep, that's it. That's it. That's better. Yeah. I got to do that. Yeah. <laughs> totally okay. agree. I don't know if you heard me on a previous episode. I I said that we were, I was going to do something similar to let the kids work in groups that they pick, right? To be with, because sometimes it is nice. I mean, even as an adult, I like to work with my friends, right? So I yeah. said, okay, today you're going to let, you're going to work on, on, you're going to pick your own groups. And there were moans, Ryan. They all moaned. Yeah. They were like, oh, and I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, what, what's going on? They're like, we want random groups. I'm like, what? What is this? What's going on? Yeah, they didn't want to pick their friends. They wanted to be mixed up. I'm like, okay, no, not today. You're (laughs) picking your friends. (laughs) It was really, it was crazy. It was one of those moments where exactly like what you said, like, wow, this is really working. This is really, really something. I, I do have a question for you girls. Okay. Are you ready for one? Yes. Sure. We talked. We went through the whole book. We had an awesome book study. I mean, that was one of the highlights of my summer. Same. Not everything has been going great though with thinking classrooms, and I want to know some of the challenges you've had because I've had some on my end as well. All right. Being a math coach, you know, I pop into people's rooms, or on Fridays I cover teachers when they go to school-based team meetings, and one time this year with fifth graders, I brought in my wipe books and did, had them do the four fours. That has legit been the only time that I have done anything with thinking classrooms this year Hmm. because I haven't been able to educate my teachers about thinking classrooms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's the truth. I did ask though today, somebody on the PD team, because we have a half day PD in January. And I said, listen, if you have nothing else, I will happily do PD for math. I don't care if it's 30 minutes, 60 minutes or three hours, I'll do it. And she's like, okay, I'll find out, you know? (laughs) So that's, that's probably my biggest challenge is just having time with kids because I don't know how long their meeting is. Sometimes the teacher is gone for 15 minutes and sometimes the teacher is gone for an hour. So to set it all up and introduce it to the kids and just have them start it. And then a teacher comes back. I'm like, oh, 
you know, well, that wasn't a good use of our time. I could have done a, a fact fluency game or a three act task or something right. like that. So that my biggest challenge is just doing it this year. Right. For me, I feel like I'm still, I'm still in the, in the newness of it. So it's, it's looking at tasks, right? It's, it's figuring out like those, like what we just talked about, how it doesn't have to last a whole class period. It doesn't have to be the entire math block that I can stop them. And something that Berkeley said in episode 61 was that it's okay if kids don't finish a problem. Yes. That they'll still be learning, you know, and there's still good math uh, discussion and and thinking, even if they don't finish a problem, even if they don't get an answer. So I think just that shift, uh, that's kind of taken that pressure off of me a little bit because I was kind of feeling like they all have to get to the answer. They all have to get to to that point where they've they've solved it or they've they've thought through it enough that they can, you know, understand it and that I, I had to kind of take a step back from that and say, no, because I, I can't keep that flow going, right? Like that yeah. that good flow where I have this group that's ready to move on, but this group isn't and they're still struggling. And even though I have them talking together, it, it's still like it's done. Like we've got to move on and I've got to talk about some consolidation. The con- consolidation is is getting better, but I'm still – that piece is still kind of tricky. You know, I, I still feel like it, it, I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. It's super difficult to consolidate a lesson. It is so challenging to do the five practices correctly. Yeah. Like you look at, you, you look at those, you're like, oh my gosh, I so need to do sequencing better. I so need to consolidate from the bottom better. Yes. It's, it's always time. It's always time. And uh, to give you just like a little bit of encouragement, like, I like we stop at the boards like the I would say like two thirds or maybe not two thirds. I would, you know, probably maybe a third of the uh, the teams never finish okay. all, all the time, right. all the time. But they I kind of rely on a little bit like what we talked about this summer, the knowledge mobility yes. that kind of just kind of goes through the room like they pick up on it. They just haven't got to that final thing that they want to write down. Right. The skill is there and we're just going to go practice that now in in our practice thereafter so they're not missing out they're just they just haven't finished that that task yeah and for as far as the tasks go like one of the things i was really worried about early on when i started implementing uh this kind of framework was like oh man i need a three-act task for every single day and that's simply not the truth the thing we take is in the middle school curriculum we have uh our curriculum we use is called illustrative math and um every lesson is built is kind of just builds on itself you have like uh, 6.1, 6.2, 6.3. If we're talking about like lesson six, like I right. just think about what we did today. Typically the third part of that lesson has a really juicy problem. We start with that problem. Right. So basic, but I don't show them it in the book and I might redact some information to keep them, them a little bit curious. And then I'll present that problem more like a story in mm-hmm. front of them. and like, Hey guys, we're going shopping today. You know, obviously I'm just taking this right out of the book. And right. Like, yes. You know, here's some stuff you got going. And turns out, you know, well, there was a 20% sale. So here's what you got to buy. And you just got to figure out how much money you're going to spend. I mean, it, that is a boring problem in the book. But when you hear it from me and that kind of bit, you're like, oh, well, okay, let's go f- figure it out. You know, yes. so uh, it's, it's, if you you're can take, selling you the already, problem, right? Yeah. 
if you take what you already have and just kind of give it a little bit of a twist, maybe a little story or just redact some of that information, just like you were talking about earlier, it's pretty easy to implement. Yes. Yeah. The slow reveal. Let me tell you, it's like, it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's super engaging because you want to know, right? It's that curiosity. Wait, what, what are you, I want to know what's going on. Right. So you don't give them everything. You, you kind of, you, you slow, slow, I don't know, slowly reveal it. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, exactly. really, that's, that's what it is. I have one more question for you, Ryan. What advice would you give for anyone listening who has never heard of a thinking classroom? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, well, like like you, we talked about this early on. I think that uh, I learned about the thinking classroom framework from listening to the Make Math Moments podcast from with Kyle and John. And that was where I was first introduced to Peter Lilladal. I believe he has two episodes that he has yeah. uh, put together. He did one right before the reveal of the book and he did one early on like you know, so I think it was 21. I'm going to look it up and I'll link yeah. it in the show notes. Absolutely. First, listen to that because that's what got me hooked. And I was like, man, I've never heard of vertical non-permanent surfaces. Mm-hmm. And that's not all what thinking classroom is. It is layered. There's 14 practices. Vertical non-permanent surfaces is one of those practices. I think where uh, you would start is definitely just go listen to those. Does it, see if it entices you. And then, and then come talk to Laura. <laughs> or Karina, or or you can message me, and uh, we could we could help you out. Absolutely, and that's that. That's the thing. I think you know, Twitter is a great resource. I know that Laura Wheeler did illustrator of the book. She did a book study uh, last year of it, and I think that that's where Laura, you and I thought, well, we should probably do this for real, and you didn't want to do it over Twitter, so we that's where we we were like, all right, let's do it over a Google Meet and. Meet some new people. Yes. Ryan, do you have any anything else you want to share with us before we wrap up? How has, just on a, on a side note, we talked about grading a lot over the summer. Has that been going better? Uh, that has still been a challenge. I think that's one of my greatest challenges is yeah. doing the standard space grading in a middle school that you still need, or at least my team has, uh, you know, points still attached to it. So figuring out the marriage between giving a kid a grade and uh, making it standard space. And I'm all for standard space grading. And I've done that in the last couple of years. However, I'm still doing it. I'll, I'll give myself credit for that. I am still doing it, but it's not, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been as fluid as I was hoping right. it would be. And that's hard. I think that's the hard thing when you get into uh, the thinking class uh, thinking classroom framework is assessment is is a big deal in this and it comes at the late the latter part of the book and it's it's heavy but it's not because when you read it you're like oh yeah that totally makes sense i should be doing that and then yes. and then you go try to enact it into your classroom and <laughs> it is it is a big shift a lot of time if you haven't been doing standard space grading and so yeah but it makes a lot of sense we want to look for the skills that are outlined in our common core standards or whatever standards we use and then assess the kids on those skills. So it's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I was good at like our my anecdotal notes at the beginning and then I kind of stopped. And now I have to get back to it. <laughs> we'll swing the pendulum back over that way. <laughs> 
That's it. Ryan, we can't thank you enough for spending this time with us. And, um, you know, anytime you want to come back on, you are more than welcome to. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I'd love that. Listeners, our challenge for you this week is to find out more about the Thinking Classroom. I will put in the show notes the executive summary article. I think it's about nine pages. And I think that'll help you just dip your toe into the Thinking Classroom world. And let us know if you've jumped in headfirst, you know, you dove in or or you're slowly dipping your toe in. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting platform. We invite you to join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag learningthroughmath. We'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tag us at Laura and Karina. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. To you too. Thank you.